Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll find the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And now, here is your host, the CEO of Access Entertainment and the Media Excellence Awards, the original media maven herself, Sarah Miller. Welcome to Media Maven's podcast. This is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and Media Excellence Awards. I'm here with the beautiful Michelle Cosman, Chief Creative Officer for AMB Publicity. Hi, Michelle. How are you, doll? So, but at the end of the day in our podcast, we are going to start laughing. I know we have a no curse rule, but it is three o'clock. I am getting a little bit hungry, and I'm so excited that we're going to have our next um, guest on the show in a few minutes, John Sutton. Um, amazing job traveling around the world, um, promoting a healthier lifestyle. And I don't know if it's because we're just hungry or if we just have an urge to go travel gear during COVID, but I'm excited to get him on and start talking to us. Yeah, let's do it. Let's bring him in. So I want to introduce our guest, Mr. John Robert Sutton. He is a food archaeologist and an expert in all things food and health and travel. John, welcome aboard to Media Maven. Thank you so much. It's so exciting to be on Media Mavens. Very excited today. Yeah, we're <laughs> Exciting. You're a food archaeologist. I just want to start out because you are a chief explorer at Sunset. Tell us what a food archaeologist is. What a food archaeologist is, is basically looking at ingredients that are really indigenous to a specific area. So, for instance, avocados were uh, genetically born in a region of Mexico called Uruapan. It's in Michoacan. And from there, it was exported all over the world. So when you actually go to that region where genetically a product is born, it's been through millennium of figuring out the best place to be born in. So the food tastes the best in that area. So I go all over the world and seek out where avocados come from. Tomatoes actually come from Costa Rica, not from Italy. They were here. Uh, Cacao is from the state of Tabasco in Mexico. Vanilla is actually from a valley called Papantla in Mexico, and it's from an orchid, not from Madagascar and not from Tahiti. So I go all over the world really finding where these little gems of food were genetically from. Wow. Are you are you looking at sustainability? Because, you know, we all go to the farmers markets here locally. We all want to source from local farmers versus the big, you know, box like, you know, Ralph's, Albertsons, Whole Foods. We really want to support locals. And I know there's a lot going on about sustainability and being healthy. Correct. Have all the sprays and bugs. And, you know, I, you know, I've traveled around the world and the culinary experience is amazing. But you're trying and correct me if I'm wrong. You're looking at not just the food, but the health benefits of it. And I understand that, but is it more of a sustainability issue or just more of a health issue of what you're looking at and what foods to absorb and eat? You you know what? I look at it boils down to really sustainability, because when you look at a product like an avocado, you want to purchase that as close to its natural environment as possible, because it does Mm -hmm. need rainwater. So when you look at avocados growing in a desert, 
as opposed to actually growing where they're indigenous from, you see the opportunity of really staying more closely to where they're from, as opposed to stuff growing in a desert. And Hmm. another issue is, is, for instance, right now, there's a very big boom on non-dairy products, you know, your oat milks and your almond milks. But the vast majority of almond milk is grown here in the desert of California. So you need to pump enormous amount of water, which requires enormous amount of electricity, which causes enormous amount of pollution. So what I've done is I've looked all over the world and I found pine nut milk in Siberia that is 100% sustainable because it takes 100 years for a pine cone to grow where a pine nut comes from. It's actually not a nut, it's a seed. So it's really a pine seed, but we call it a pine nut. And all over Russia and in Eastern Europe, when you ask for a non-dairy creamer, they use pine nut milk. And all pine nut milk is, is taking a, a pine nut, squeezing the oil out of it, and it turns powdery and adding water. And that's it. And that is the health benefits of that are tremendous, as well as the sustainability as well. And I'm very excited to bring that to the United States next year. So, so tell us, so, so, okay, this may be a, Michelle and I asking for recipes before this conversation's <laughs> over, um, but talk to us a little bit about exactly what our son selects. You're, you're traveling the world, which is amazing. You got the health aspect, you're bringing voice to what's healthy and good for us. But are you, do you have a platform? Are you doing channels? Is it just, well, what do you do with all this knowledge? Yeah. So initially I was with one of the head buyers of Trader Joe's and I was going to extremely dangerous parts of the world, such as Tunisia, Russia, Mexico. So there's a lot of of issues with getting things out of these countries. And through, you know, years ago, Trader Joe's only had 100 stores. Now they have close to 800. So a lot of these small vendors that I worked with all over Russia, all over Tunisia, Sri Lanka, Mexico, really taught me how to find these gems and feed it into Trader Joe's. So that's how I really got my start. And it's it's taken me all over the world. And, and some of my clients are Sunland Corporation in China, which owns, you know, 51% of McDonald's, Starbucks, et cetera. And uh, uh, what I wanted to do was build this platform to bring all these amazing products in and sell it through Amazon. That takes enormous amount of work, and I plan to do it. But I get so many, you know, consulting jobs for major food companies wanting new items. Like Kroger has specifically a, uh, a a new product group that is constantly looking for the next best thing. So. Uh, you know, so many people demand healthy choices now. Um, they're really looking at less sugar. Uh, you know, this high fructose corn syrup issue is a big problem. And as a society, we should wean our way from it. Um, it's banned in England. They do not have that. And here in the United States, it's, it's, there's a lot of high fructose corn syrup. So looking for healthy alternatives to that. And one of them is I was in Jamaica. And there is a amazing group that has a organic sugarcane field. And it's a group of, of women that are just so fantastic. 
and they've made their own brand of sugar cane. So I'm, I'm very excited to bring those packets into the U.S. because they're wonderful people. Everyone's happy. It's sustainable there. And it's just going for a good cause. And it's a substitute for bad processed mm -hmm. sugar, which is not good for you. You know what? You bring up a very interesting point because I think for a lot of people, they would prefer to eat local. They would prefer to eat organic. They would prefer to eat healthier, but it's not, uh, it, it's difficult. In fact, I, I think there's one of the films that says you almost have to be wealthy to be healthy um, in a lot of parts of the world. So I think what you just mentioned about Kroger made me think how a lot of times we don't realize that our purchase, our consumer choices are determining what's going to become available. We're in essence voting for organic or not, uh, for, for healthy or not um, by our consumer choices. So that's fantastic that there's amazing people like yourself who are making this more accessible where people can make better choices. You're, you're exactly right. And you know, what I'm doing is I'm going directly to the source and connecting them with major distribution outlets. Um, there's a distribution company called Nicholas and Company out of Salt Lake City, which are just fantastic. They are very good at uh, going direct, everybody receives a fair price on it. And what happens is when there's too many middlemen and importers and distributors, and the price just gets exponentially raised. So basically, everybody that touches the product adds 30% on it. And what I do is I hook up the distributor directly with the buyer and stay out of it and just receive a consulting fee instead of 30% of the product. Because essentially, I know what I want in life. I'm done. I don't need the jet. I don't need the Ferrari. I am so happy where I'm at. And I know exactly <laughs> where I'm going to be. So I just want to share all of this knowledge directly to the end user. And you're cutting out so much in between. And that's what gives everybody a chance. So you're basically an import export for exotic and different foods to source them into the U.S. market, correct? Correct. So I know I can go to a factory anywhere in the world and get them certified, get them up to date on the import rules, talk intelligently to the buyers because they have really high standards and certifications that has to be done in order for those products to be here. If you're in some small town in Sri Lanka and you are growing the best cinnamon in the world and the best black pepper, which comes from there, you would have no idea how to navigate those very complex rules. It's kind of like watching football for the first time when you're 40 and trying to figure out what all those whistles and flags mean. It's impossible. So, so what I do is I'm, I basically bring the paints to Picasso. I'm not a chef, okay? I bring the best products to a chef and let them create their art. That's what I've done my whole life. Are you currently traveling right now to any place exciting? during? I know with the pandemic, it's been hard to travel internationally um, coming from the U.S. How are you handling all the import and export right now with all this? You know, everything is very good because it's proven that the virus does not stay on food surfaces. It just doesn't. It's a really beneficial thing. It's a weird thing. So, so there's no problem getting food 
into the U.S. and on ships and everything. That's what's what's been great. And traveling, um, I've, I've kind of been traveling a lot. I was just in the Yucatan in Cancun to look at sustainable uh, stone crab that comes out of Campeche. If, I'm sure if you've been to Miami, you've heard of the famous Joe Stone Crab. It's a legend landmark. Yeah. And people love stone crab. Well, it's becoming quite unsustainable in parts of the U.S. But in Campeche, there is an enormous amount of stone crab available. And, you know, people think, oh, Mexico, this and that. Hold on a second. There are the highest standard resorts that are in Cancun. The food and beverage directors from the Four Seasons, from the Ritz-Carlton, come from Switzerland, are trained. They have the highest standards in the world. They want sustainability just as much as everybody else does. So I have seen Mexico become so well-versed in sustainability and catching and throwing things back. I've watched it with my own eyes. So this is expanding around the world, and I was looking at bringing Joe's uh, stone crabs from Campeche to actually Las Vegas. Um, I was in Jamaica uh, looking at the amazing uh, sugar products that they're doing because when people realize that high fructose corn syrup is bad for you, you have to start looking for alternatives. Right now, there's a big run on Coca-Cola from Mexico sold in the United States because that's made with sugar cane. In the United States, Coca-Cola is made with high fructose corn syrup. So if someone's going to drink a Coke, which, you know, you have the you, you make a decision if you want to do it, drink a Coke with a healthy choice of sugar cane, naturally, not a chemical, high fructose corn syrup. Right. Does Coca-Cola have sugar cane options in it? I don't drink um, a lot of Coke, so I don't know. Not in the United States. In Mexico and in other parts of the world, where high fructose corn syrup is banned, yes, Coca-Cola does have, by law, natural sugar added. But in the United States, its only use is high fructose corn syrup, which is like rust in your body. It's just, it's just yeah. not good in the long run. And it's really, studies have proven that drinking a lot of Coke and, and sugar products with high fructose corn syrup start eating away at the walls of your artery and cause in the long term, you know, embolisms and things like that. So I just, you know, just recommend that people try if they can stay away from that. So so there is there is there is truth in food, truth in labels. Going yeah. back to what Michelle commented people are being a little more conscientious right now of what they're putting in their right. bodies. It's all about not just what you eat, but it's health, wellness, and, you know, sustainability from your body, to everything you do. You're exactly you know, right. You know what else, um, Sarah, you just made me think of is, so a lady doesn't tell her age, but I have a lot of friends who have kids that are adults now and it's amazing to me in, in uh, I'll just say in my 40s to watch a teenager who gets tired before I do. And it blows my mind. I'm, you know, and sometimes I'm thinking, is this is it just them? But everything they have eaten and most likely their parents is also polluted. Right. Polluted, polluted food, polluted air. But because 
we just haven't as a society really become as aware of what we bring into our bodies until recently. They were fanatics. Those were health weirdos back in the day. And now um, people are definitely aware that there is a connection between what they consume and what they literally become and how they feel. I just find that very fascinating. It's a microcellular level that everything you eat has a reaction, an action and reaction to everything you do, which is interesting, John, because you know, tell us your background. I know we kind of skipped through that in the beginning. You know, is it the food? You know, when did you decide to become this archaeologist for food where health was so <laughs> right. important? Is it, how did you get to this point? Did you trademark that term, by the way? <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I didn't. People just call me that at all these food shows when I talk and it just, you know, it's just my love and passion for it. I'm, I'm a Swiss trader. Yeah, I, I'm, that's a good one. I'm a, a Swiss-trained economist by nature. I went to school in Geneva for college, and it was just a time that was quite amazing to me because the wall was coming down in Russia, and there were so many interesting things. And I worked in Russia uh, in the early '90s, and I saw that there was, you know, so many unique opportunities to take food products from Russia to the United States. Mm-hmm. And I initially did that. And I actually started with vodka because vodka was so inexpensive. And the way that they distilled the vodka in the U.S. was in Russia was phenomenal using mm-hmm. natural wheat and the water. And so I private labeled that for Trader Joe's and then just started building all of these other products around that, around other distributors and really started seeing this opportunity early on because it's, look, it is hard work. I mean, you know, traveling, most people travel for vacation. You know, mm-hmm. I've been doing business in, in 30 countries, signing contracts, going there, and it's not easy getting the things in and knowing who to do all of that. And it just became a real passion. And that's really how I got into it is I just realized that, wait a minute, there's a big world out there. You know, you come Mm -hmm. from the United States and you realize, geez, it's really, you know, five, six percent of the world's population. There's an enormous big world out there with other cultures. Um, One of the recent things I saw in Russia, actually, was what people really value their skin. They really take care of their skin. I was just going to ask you to go up where, because I was in St. Petersburg and one of the things that blew me away was obviously how beautiful people were, but the skin, they don't have acne in the skin problems. I mean, we're, we're in California. So obviously everybody wants to be in the sun, but they had the most flawless complexions in St. Petersburg where I was. Yeah. And look, it is a combination of the sun does cause damage and being in Southern California um, or in sun areas, we just, you know, we really should put, um, you know, sunscreen on. But there is a product that they use, and it is called sea buckthorn. We call it sea buckthorn. And it is a berry. It is from a shrub in Siberia. That's genetically where it's from. And it has the most powerful antioxidants of any substance on Earth. And, and Russians, especially Russian women, drink that constantly in teas. 
um, drink it in water, put it on their skin. And it, it has, it, it just boosts so many things. It's, it's just skin, skin, skin. It improves liver function. And I actually am working with a company in Russia as we speak to bring in sea buckthorn juice in glass bottles here for next year, probably starting with Erewhon and, and juice markets and things. But when you go have the tea, people are drinking all tea, uh, sea buckthorn tea. In the mornings, people are drinking sea buckthorn juice instead of coffee because it really invigorates you. It's one of the few juices that when you drink, you're just like, you wake up naturally. It's so bizarre. And it's bright orange. It's, it's bright, bright orange. It's kind of like um, cocoa mate because like I, I get everybody travels for vacation to shut down. But everywhere that I've traveled is just been such a cultural adventure. We kind of go off the beaten path and we see the people living there, you know, go to the back roads and really see what the culture's like. We were hung out some indigenous tribes. We've been down to Colombia, South America. And when I was down there, there was it was Kokomati. It's kind of the same thing as the Seabuck Thorn in Russia. It has 29 or 28 alkaline properties, health, digestion, heart, skin. It's such a rare form in the tea down there. And it has so many intense properties. Why I want to say Brazil and South America, some of the, the skin, the people are just great skin, beautiful looking people. And, and most of them are, I'm assuming, healthier from taking this stuff. But I just think there's so much overseas and global parts of the world that are such to their truest form, better for you, for everything you need, what we're talking about. But by the time it gets processed and cut through and manufactured and to the U.S. on a mass production, it just becomes nothing but sugar, syrup, and so much crud that's not good for you. And it loses all of those impurities and properties Correct. that do work for you. And it, like, how much of that are you seeing? From, I, mean, I don't know if you know a lot about Kokomati, but it's one of the main things I've seen because you can't get it here in the U.S. Yeah, it, that is a great product. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that let's, let's look at Greek yogurt. Let's look at Chobani. Why did all of a sudden Chobani become so popular and make Greek yogurt popular? Greek yogurt doesn't have any sugar in it. So the guy says, well, let me add more sugar in a, in a, in a Chobani yogurt, you know, yogurt than Coca-Cola has. Of course, yeah, that's why everybody likes it. And that's a big problem. You're so right when people do not tell the truth about something. Everybody thinks, oh, this Greek yogurt is really good. If you really have real Greek yogurt, it's bitter and there's no sugar in there. It's just, just you know, milk and, and processed milk. And, you know, for, for the skin thing, I think the biggest issue in the United States is the or just voracious appetite for everything bread, everything bread. <laughs> and And it's a problem, like from croissants to bagels to rye bread, you name it. It's so delicious. It's so good. It's just the problem. It's getting in our systems and gooing it down. And I think, you know, I spent a lot of time in Asia last year. And I just think the solution to so much of our obesity problems is to look at Asian cuisine, to look at how 
water and vegetables and protein is used not as this big hunk and steak on your plate, but as a flavoring, not as a filler. Water is a filler and, and vegetables are the filler, not bread, not massive quantities of chicken and fried stuff. And, if, and it's delicious. If you've ever had that delicious lemongrass ginger flavor, yes, it's not for everybody, but you can find a flavor, especially in Thai food, in a soup that's so filling because your belly gets filled with water instead of protein, instead of stuffed with bread and bagels and all of that good stuff. You know, if, if one can just find a way to limit that, and I think the Asian type based foods coming into the US is going to be a huge wave in the future. But they also say like Mediterranean, Mediterranean diet, the South Beach diet, all of these diets, but it's also, it really comes down to nutrition. I mean, you know, we're none of us are nutritionists, but you know, we're all healthy. We all take care of ourselves. And there's so much, it's that supply and demand of taste and false advertising and carbs. And there's been so many fads over the years to feel good, to look good. But I think we're all kind of blowing over the very basics. And I think it's just education of what is good for you, the effects it's going to have. And I just think it is a taste thing. Some people just have a palate for sweets or salty stuff, but there's so many alternatives. But I just think it's an education of things to still taste good, satisfy you. And still be good for you. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And so much of it resolves around education. And it, it, you know, it could really be implemented in a way that makes sense, but it is so confusing out there. And just the word diet has so many negative connotations. You know, you say you're on a diet, and really, what does that mean? It it should be more of an understanding what you really like and what's filling. And yet over a long period of time is sustainable for you and your body. Everybody's body's different. Everything needs to be tailored a little differently. And the science is now. It's not coming. You could really find out what you absorb through blood tests and certain things. There's a hospital in Bangkok called Bumregard Hospital that a lot of people are flocking to around the world to really figure this out. And even... People are bringing their children to find that out at a young age so you could prepare a whole nutritional program for someone's entire life, which sounds sounds bizarre, but I think it's a good step in the right direction. Well, there's healthy, sustainable ways to live your life. And it's just, I think now that we're in this pandemic and everybody's at home, they've got to work a little bit harder or look for, look at the ingredients look at the truth in advertising and food of what they want to eat, can eat because we're not going into gyms. People have a lot of stress on, I just do think there's a lot of education that there's so much out there that is good for you and healthy for you that I do think it's important to talk you're, more about it. You're so right. I mean, food is also a prescription. Why should you give someone vitamin C when you can eat an orange? or eat something yeah. that, that, you know what I'm saying? So that I'm seeing much more of that. I'm actually seeing doctors actually in grocery stores in Switzerland. So you could go in the grocery stores, talk to a doctor, and they will prescribe you healthy food choices actually in the store. That was interesting. 
Yeah. You know, I think a couple years ago, my, my, my dad gave me the audiobook, the China study, right. Which was very fascinating. Um, and, and one, one of my takeaways was why, what you just said, why bottle vitamin C when you can eat foods that have it. And maybe it's not even the most obvious ones that we think of as citrus, but that the whole food was meant to heal us. The fiber, the, the, the enzymes, everything, not just taking it, encapsulating it into a product that can be sold. And it more and more people are realizing we would rather eat nutritionally dense food to feel better than pump ourselves full of vitamins and hormones and things. Yeah. But does that go to like in the book that you talking about that you read is it like why they always say the skins of things people skin things they pill things they chop things to cook and eat but now they're going no no eat the pills eat the skins eat the seeds eat the roots as like you said as a whole or is there anything um in this book you read that kind of tells us otherwise because I always hear that I don't know Sarah that I would be the expert to comment on that (laughs) there's a lot of things in moderation But it does make sense that a complete salad, just for instance, with all of everything from a fruit to a vegetable to a fat is going to be exponentially better than a tablet uh, that that claims to have it all in there. Just eat the food, get the fiber, get the hydration, let your stomach create those enzymes. Um, I'm sure, John, you have deeper thought on that. What's your take? You know, you're right. Uh, You know, there is something, there's big studies going on that your actual stomach and your gut bacteria is very, very important for your health. And Mm -hmm. if that's out of alignment, there are certain probiotics that you can take that actually gets your digestion and everything flowing through. Um, Mm -hmm. Just taking vitamins to think that that's going to supplement a healthy food choice is not the right way to look at it. I mean, vitamin deficiencies were really for people, let's say, that lived way up in Alaska and didn't have uh, access to the sun for a part of the year. So you did need vitamin E and certain things. You know, vitamins were good for when there was a time in the United States that there wasn't refrigerated shipping. So how would you get fruits and vegetables from sunny California all the way to Chicago or New York in the wintertime? So we really have to take a look and and really look and say, wait a minute, so much has changed. Looking at studies that were done in the 50s and 60s, little things that when you have that aha moment, you realize, wait a minute, there are things and times have changed. And let's really reassess a lot. Do you work with John? Do you work with like a wellness expert or a dietitian nutritionist on your travels? You know, I I don't have anybody in particular that I, I work with. There are companies that the my clients will go to if there's a specific question. But so many of these companies that I buy from, they have their in-house experts and they have their go-to people. And they're so knowledgeable about their own products that that's where I get a lot of this information. I mean, I don't touch processed foods. I don't like look for, I, I really go to something that has one ingredient. And that's where a lot of people say going to the market, you know, don't buy something that has three or four ingredients on the box. Buy an apple, buy wheat, buy sugar, you know, go and buy stuff, buy lettuce, you know, buy something that has 
one ingredient as opposed to something on the label that has a bunch of ingredients. That's a healthy choice. Does your um, knowledge and expertise in your travels, I mean, besides the teas, I saw this thing I was talking about earlier before we started chatting down to earth and there is a wellness expert, Darren Olian, who's on this great show on sustainable living. And I saw an episode on water. And I know they always say when you're traveling internationally, drink the bottled water so you don't get sick. And it was interesting because you, Michelle, are talking about, you know, ingredients and labels and eating the you know whole foods and looking at what you're doing, where there's so many different kinds of waters and the more they're processed and bottled, there's more chlorine and more crud and chemicals in it that are bad for us to where if you're at a store, things that stay purified water, stay away from the good stuff is the you know spring water, the alkaline waters, everything that has all the tons of natural minerals and stuff in it. And people just assume it's that brand identity that I think you touched on, Michelle. I'm going to choose a water because I like the brand, but it's, it's not just the food. It's the water and all the options on the shelves that people go towards. And I heard a thing, John, I don't know if you could um, clarify this, if you can or not, is when you're drinking water, Find the waters that have the alkalines and the minerals and the spring waters, not the ones that are processed and purified because they have actually more chemicals in the water than what's good for you. Because I know not if you've been to France, France has an amazing, their deputy in charge of water. They have the most insane water plant where everybody has access to free water. It's not the chemicals, nuclearine, and the purified is actual clean drinking water and the way they have it where everybody there has access to free water. There's like little vending machines along streets and parks that just you put your bottle up and it just fills it up for free because they're so big on the um, absorption of pure water versus the chemicals to make it pure. Did that mm-hmm. make sense? That yeah, no, you, you, you're exactly right. And, you know, when I traveled with the head buyers of Whole Foods to Russia, this was a little while back. I remember the, the head buyer who, who has access to all the best information of all the best people. And he said, if you want a, if you want a really good water without taking, you don't have to take any vitamins and minerals, get a good water that's a mineral water, a water that has minerals in it, natural minerals. And that goes through your body and your body gets all of those earth element minerals that are in the water in your system. And it's, mm-hmm. it's very good for you. And also, you really want water that comes from a high alpine source. Because if it's coming from a high alpine source, that's less area for that water to come down and collect a bunch of bad nutrients and things in there. It actually... If water comes from a well, it, it's already polluted. It's, it's not good for you. And you know something? We do not scientifically can explain water. You ask scientists and it's like, wait a minute, H2O, like hydrogen and oxygen is a gas. How in the world is this water? Like they cannot describe it. And there's some people that even think that water is actually a living alien, like a living life form. And the only way they can say how it got on the planet 
is through comets over billions of years. Comets pounded into the earth and had ice on it. And that's how the water was brought here. So water is a really strange thing that is so bizarre when you think about it, but we need it to survive and live. And yes, you're, you're so right. Water is so important to put in your body. And I would stay away from bottled water, not only because you don't know how long it's been there, but also the plastic that's in it. Um, yeah. You know, a good I'm filter. Yeah, the plastic. There was a recent study I read two years ago, uh, two days ago, that they are now for the first time finding microplastics in human stomachs. You know, mm. and that's not good. But Michelle, have yeah. you have you and John been to France? Have you guys either of you guys been to France? Yeah, I love France. So, Very so aware of it. So if you're up in is it in Lourdes, um, Lourdes, France, it's there's this most amazing, the most world-renowned holistic or not holistic, healthy rejuvenation spa because years ago or centuries ago, there was a little girl in a village and there's a few things to be healthy. And they told her she had to go find water. And so she kept digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and a little bit crazy, digging in mud and dirt for months, maybe a year. And she finally hit water. And this water in Lourdes, France has just become such an amazing, like, sanctuary place a whole town where people it's like the great wall in israel they they go to lord's france to because they feel like it's healing it's such pure water there's healing mm-hmm. properties and all these things to it and there's this very very big institute of healing that's there with the doctor yeah. there and there's a whole thing on why water is so important the world's made of 70 percent water our bodies are made of 60 percent water so to replenish it and to grow and thrive we're drinking you know carbon we're drinking chlorine and everybody's missing that we just got to go back to its purest form and there's a place in Lawrence that was like a willing place for water you probably know this john but i believe sarah what you're talking about um, when when they found the water sources there, they believed that was the fountain of use that Ponce de Leon was looking for and that the testing on the water showed that it was incredibly alkaline um, as opposed to acidic water or just trying to alkaline water with chemicals, but in itself was naturally alkaline. So mm-hmm. uh, it's so fascinating. Are you, are you familiar with that, John? Or I, I am. Are we putting I, you on the spot? Sorry. No. <laughs> No, I mean, it. it's water. When you look at the history of water, it's it's there's so many instances where it comes up. I mean, it's where Romans built their earliest towns were in spa towns. So you look at Budapest, you look at uh, Zurich, you look at um, all of these towns. They built these cities because they had spring water and healing properties, even in Turkey forgot the name of the town, but there's a large area of water where people would go and and people would heal. And, you know, in many, many, when you look at historical texts, when you look at biblical texts, in Jewish law, water is the symbol of life. And there are many dangers in the important water of drinking polluted water appear in the earliest period of Jewish history. So there's a lot of very fascinating things when you look at water. You know, in the Christian world, there are 
water is 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 healing and people go to heal themselves and that comes from a lot of the roman tradition and so you know water does have this importance it lost its importance through the middle ages and and if if you look at the one aspect of why human beings have lived a long time it's because of our purification of water in the middle ages if you drank putrid water you would get sick and you died very early. They didn't know that a lot of viruses were in water. A lot of problems came from water, jardia, things like that. And so what they did is they brewed beer and created wine. And knowing that brewing that beer and rising that temperature killed a lot of those viruses. So people drank more beer and more wine than they actually did water in certain parts of our history in the Middle Ages. So water is life, and it's something that's very important for us to take a serious look at. Well, it, it, it's kind of the same as now. I mean, whoever invented it was a smart idea because red wine is good for your heart, is heart healthy. And there's so many areas like France, Italy, and they're drinking red wine all the time because they find all these properties that are good for you and I'm going to kind of pivot from the water back into the food area because they always say drink what eat water-based foods watermelon apples think that have a water base to it because we could survive three weeks without food we cannot survive three days without water and some correct correct in your travels and all of your travels um what are there any certain foods that you found or that you need or anything that maybe are sticking out in your mind that helps people sleep, de-stress. I know we're going to wrap up here in a second, but I want to kind of get some parting thoughts from you. What is it? Like, I love certain things. Michelle and I always talk about cooking and stuff, but what are a few things that people need to be aware of to help certain ailments that is accessible here in the U.S. or anywhere? You know, I would say just a couple of things, like take a lemon. You should be squeezing a lemon in water on everything because that acid is so good for your system. It cleans you out. It's so good for your liver. So instead of buying a soda or something sugary, get a sparkling water, get ice and and cut a half a lemon up and squeeze that lemon in that water and drink it. It, it has a profound effect on, on how you sleep. On, it's basically like fine-tuning your system, resetting mm-hmm. it. The other thing is, is I went to a town called Acerole in Italy. And it's the town in the world where there's more people per capita over 100 than anywhere else on earth. And the uh, UCSB did a study on why that is. And they realized that it is their liberal use of rosemary. And that mm-hmm. everybody puts rosemary on everything. And even the fishermen go out and they put a sprig of washed rosemary in their bottle of water. And that that takes out whatever's in there, whatever sap or property is in that rosemary just is like a, a, a cleansing in your blood, like literally goes in and it's like an astringent and wipes out so much bad bacteria, so many issues with your body. And when I went to the store and I said, do you have rosemary? They all laughed at me. They said, just walk outside and go to the hills and cut it down. I mean, there's rosemary everywhere in Acerole. 
So I think people's use with finely chopping up rosemary and putting it on foods and also putting a sprig in your water, from what studies have shown, it has a profound effect on your system. And those are just two basic items that people should use more every day. Yeah. So, John, wow. I know we're running out of time, and I thank you so much for the um, time. Absolutely. I mean, it's so much information for us to process. Um, two quick questions, very quickly, I got for you so we can wrap. Where is your favorite place you've ever been to visit? Oh, boy, that is so tough. I mean, I, I think it's definitely Sicily. Bah. Love Italy. Second, Michelle, what's your favorite place you've ever visited? Um, I also liked Russia, but I'll say New Zealand and Spain. Those uh-huh. are nice. Yeah. So we have a global podcast here. Mine was yes. in Russia <laughs> and probably <laughs> Colombia and Chile. Um, John, how can people find you if they want to know more about your travels, food, advice, all of this? Yeah, you know, you could go to my site, Sutton, at SuttonSelects.com and just follow me. I mean, there's some amazing things happening I'm getting ready to do. And next year is going to be probably the most fantastic year of my life with so many opportunities, so many things I'm bringing in that will be sold on many platforms here in the U.S. Perfect. So I want to thank you. John, for coming on and talking about food and travel, sustainability. Uh, This is Sarah Miller with Axis, Michelle Koshman at AMB Publicity. And thank you for joining in on Media Maven's podcast. Thank Thank you you so very much, John. What a great show. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Media Maven's podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or you want to find past episodes, subscribe to the Media Maven's podcast on your favorite podcast provider. For more information, go to MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.